does not walk in step with the women, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mocks, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on the law of night. morning, we are continuing with the Psalm series, the playlist for life. Uh, my brother-in-law is a DJ, a professional DJ with thousands and thousands and thousands of LPs, you know, the vinyl. I mean, he has so many that you can't even believe it. And you ever know, like when you're in a certain mood and you're just thinking there's only that one song that's going to definitely do it for you. Or you start listening to music and you're like, mm, I'm not in the mood for this. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Any musicians here? Anybody that likes music? Anybody? Is anybody awake? Okay, good. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're in a certain mood and, and you just, it requires a certain genre. It requires a certain, I don't know if it's, if it's rap or if it's reggae or if it's country. Any country fans? Yeah, oh, you got a couple that are willing to admit it. Or maybe it's rock and roll. I don't know. But there's just certain, there's certain moods that fit certain scenarios in your life. The Psalms are kind of like that on a practical level for you know, there are certain times where you're going through something or you're experiencing something and there's a specific psalm that, that is the only one that could speak into your situation to fill you and to give you the hope that you need. And today we're going to be talking about one of these, the lucky 13. Yeah. <laughs> 13 is a psalm that I refer back to often. And I think you'll understand why, uh, when I get into it and explain it, there's a man who's called the Prince of Preachers. This is uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And he says of this psalm, he calls it the howling psalm. It's a little bit whiny. It's a little emo, a little angsty in the beginning. But, you know, as, as David, who wrote this, was a man after God's own heart, he was also a musician, which means that he was very emotional. Most musicians tend to be pretty emotional. David was a very, he was very in touch with his emotions. And when he starts this one, he is in a very dark, dark place. But then by the end, there's hope. And that's what I want to offer you today. That no matter what you're going through, no matter how long this season has been, there is hope. Amen? So, turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 13. Um, if you're using your mobile device, I'm going to be reading this out of the NIV. I like this one. This is the one I originally memorized. Now, this is only six verses. It's broken up into three sections. So I'm going to be talking about these three sections. There is the complaint, then there's the cry, and finally there's the conclusion. And so when we start this, as I said, they don't know what the exact historical background is for David, but I'm saying David had a super, super stressful life. 
So, you know, he was a shepherd boy. He was out in the field just minding his own business. I'm assuming, well, I don't know. I can't, you can't, you know, I can't think of any job that you would say has no stress attached to it. But I would think for the most part, a shepherd's job would probably be pretty chill. You're just kind of out there with the sheep. I mean, unless a wolf comes or a lion. I mean, that would be a little stressful. (laughs) But so David is out there and then he gets he gets this invitation to come in. Well, first of all, he slays the giant Goliath, which was cool. And then he, they select him to be the king of Israel. And do you know how long he waited to actually become the king from the time he was chosen to the time he became king? 14 years. That's a long time, because I think when we read it, we think, oh, he, he was chosen to be king, and then he became king, but he went through 14 years, and this guy had a stressful life. This guy went through some really, really stressful situations. He had a guy who was jealous of him, Saul, King Saul, was extremely threatened by him and his popularity, so he, he legitimately was hunting him down to kill him. How stressful is your life right now? Anybody being hunted down to be killed? Anybody? Okay. Anybody, anybody hunting anybody down to be killed? <laughs> Security? <laughs> but David had a stressful life. This guy, I mean, and yet he's a man after God's own heart. He is the guy who is passionately in love with God, no matter what happens to him. And when we, when we get into this psalm, you're going to see how he is wrestling through this whole journey of faith. You know, also, you know, there's like the prosperity gospel where, where they say, you know, if once you become a Christian, you'll never suffer. You should never suffer. If you're suffering, that means there's sin in your life. How false is that? It is absolutely false. False. If you are a Christian, you will suffer. Keep it real, right? If you're a Christian, you're going to suffer in this life. And guess what? If you're not a Christian, you're going to suffer in this life. What a bummer, right? But we're going to end hopefully today. But that is the reality. Even I mean, Psalm 90 even says, hey, even our best days are full of suffering and sorrow. Even our best days. This life is difficult. But if you know Jesus it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. No matter what your circumstances, you're going to be okay. Amen? So let's get into this. Oh, I was going to say too, there's a couple of other guys that we look at who are strong leaders in the Bible. Moses. Moses had a lot of stressful situations. Think about the time when the the Egyptians were chasing him down and he came to the Red Sea So he's got the army behind him and then the Red Sea in front of him. That must have been slightly stressful, wouldn't you think? And then all of a sudden God did this major miracle, moved the water back and they walked through and then all came back down on the Egyptians. God is in whatever it is that you're experiencing right now, even if it doesn't feel like it. Also, Paul the Apostle, you know, the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, Paul the Apostle, talk about stress. Talk about a traumatic life. He was beaten on numerous occasions, hated by so many because he was bringing the truth. 
He was shipwrecked at one point. He was in prison oftentimes. He wrote a lot of the Bible or a lot of the New Testament in prison. That guy had a stressful life. So what I want to say is it's, it's part of it. It's part of our existence. But there is hope. Amen? There is hope. And here we go. Starting with Psalm 13. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Anybody ever feel like this? How long, Lord, are you, have you forgotten me? Have, have you rejected me? Have you abandoned me? Lord, do you not see what I'm going through? How long? How long am I going to suffer like this? And then we go to the one, are you mad at me? Don't we? Did I do something wrong? Did I, did I do something to deserve this? Don't we go there? And here, David is pouring out his heart. He is pouring out his heart, but he is asking some serious questions. God, have you forgotten me? Have you abandoned me? And I think when we go through these hardships, we go through these trials, we go through these hard times, I think, I think this psalm gives us permission to question. It gives us permission to say, God, I don't get this. I don't understand. You're a God of love and you're a good, good father. Check, check. Okay, sorry. What was I talking about? How could you let this happen to me? But don't we ask that, honestly? And, and do you feel just a skosh guilty about it when you do? Anybody? I just love the fact that David is giving us permission to say, you know what? I am not okay with this situation. I am not okay. And I am feeling abandoned and rejected and forgotten and forsaken and ignored. Yeah? And David's like, how long, Lord? And, and I feel like the Lord is cool with it. I mean, obviously, if David stays here, that's not good. But ultimately, David moves out from this, but he's honest. And I think we can be honest with God. See, she's being honest. <laughs> we can be honest with God. You know, when my husband um, would be really upset or have something going on, I would encourage him to go take a drive because he would get before the Lord and just yell. He would just yell. I don't understand. How can you let this happen to me? How can you allow this in my life? Are you mad at me? 
Did I do something wrong? Am I being punished? Let me just say this unequivocally. If, you are, if you've done something wrong and you know the voice of the Lord and you know Jesus, he's not going to psych you out. He's not going to punk you and just shock you with something you did without telling you. The Holy Spirit convicts us, and there's peace, and there's hope attached to that, okay? So God's never going to play games with you. Like, oh, well, you know, because I've heard other, other uh, religions, they'll say, well, you need to go repent from afar without telling you. If there's something you've done, the Holy Spirit is faithful. If you're open and you, and you lay yourself bare before God, he will show you. But if he doesn't show you something, if there's not someone you need to forgive or some restitution you need to make or something you need to do, you can trust that you're being disciplined, which is not the same as being punished. Punishment is when you've done something wrong and you're punished. Discipline can be either one. You can be disciplined or it can be disciplined like as in sports. Any athletes, any people ever done sports? You know what you, you go through. I, I remember in high school, um, I was a fanatic volleyball player, and we would go to volleyball camp every year. And they would run us ragged. I mean, they would put us through the ringer. They would make us run these sprints up and down these hills until our throats were bleeding. It was brutal. But you know what? It paid off because we had an amazing volleyball team. And we were all in great condition. We were in in really good condition. We paid a price to get there, though. You know, you don't just end up, oh, I'm going to be this fantastic athlete without working for it. Or music, you know, doing your scales, you know, doing, doing the exercises, the discipline to get there. Sometimes it's the same thing spiritually speaking. Sometimes we're being disciplined. Sometimes our faith is being tested. And it's not because God is this mean God. It's just the opposite. It's because he loves you. And he's letting you go through something for your own benefit, for your own good. You know, it's like that song we sang. He takes what the enemy meant for evil. Sometimes things come our way that are out of our control spiritual attacks or circumstances involving people. And and no matter what happens, God is always faithful. He will turn it for good. He will use whatever circumstances in your life to turn it for good, to build your character. You know, Romans 5 says that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. But the suffering is what starts it all. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Amen? And that's where we're going today. We are going to find hope. No matter what you're going through, no matter what your trials, no matter what your hardships, there is still hope. And if you know Jesus, you're going to be okay. Amen? I talk about these seasons. If you do know Jesus, you know, You can trust when he says, I will be with you. I remember after my husband passed away, the scripture I kept getting was, 
be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. And I used to wonder, why? How could he ask that of me? But then when you read on, it says, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's how we can be strong and courageous and not terrified because the Lord is always with us. But during times like this, it's like God is behind us. We don't see him out in front. We don't see him next to us. He's behind us. And these times are hard. How long, oh Lord? How long will you forget me? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? You know, when my kids were little and and I was distracted doing mommy things, you know, they would go, mommy, mommy, and they would try to get my attention. And sometimes they would come up to me and they would hold my face. Mommy, look at me. That's what David's doing here to the Heavenly Father. He's like, Daddy, look at me. And I think it's okay. It's okay. Be released from the religiosity of thinking you can't pour out your heart and get real with Jesus. You can be real with him. You know, you might think it's, well, we're not supposed to complain, so it's like, no, you're just getting whatever's in your heart out. You know, sometimes it's like, going on a tangent here, you know, whatever is in your heart is going to come out. And sometimes I I remember um, my husband had a very traumatic um, childhood. He was beaten, and um, he went to this therapist who incidentally had to schedule us after hours because my husband was so vile and foul. Even though he loved Jesus, he would literally be yelling at the top of his lungs. It sounds like all he did was yell, which is not true. But <laughs> he would, but he would, and he would be dropping the F-bomb, and he would be just cursing up a storm. And my little religious person at that time, I was like, oh, how could he do that? And the counselor just said, you know what? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus isn't so concerned with what's coming out of your mouth, but he is really concerned with what's going on in your heart. Are are all you religious people upset with me now? Jesus is a God of compassion. Jesus is interested in healing our brokenness and our woundedness and our trauma. Amen? He is gracious. He is compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in mercy. This is who Jesus is. And when David is saying this, he's feeling like God's behind him. Because David still believes that God is there, but he just can't understand. You know, turning your face from someone, in a lot of cultures, that was like the ultimate insult. If someone turns their face from you, that is like, basically, you're dead to me. And this is what David is saying to God. He's like, I feel like you're just, like you're saying, I'm dead to you. So can God forget us? Is it possible for God to really forget us? Theologically, no. It says in Isaiah 49, Jerusalem says the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. This is what Jerusalem says. But in verse 15, it says, Never, the Lord says, can a mother forget her nursing child? 
Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. I would never forget you. He's saying, see, I have written your name on the palm of my hands. Isn't that so cool to know? He has written your name, your name, on the palm of his hands. I say it's like, it's like God got a tattoo and it has your name on it. By the way, don't get tattoos of, of people that might not be in your life a few years down the road. <laughs> Just a little life lesson there. Like your kids, that's a good one. Or anyway. But it's like God is saying, I've engraved your name. It's right there. He's like, oh, Ryan. Oh, that's my boy. Nicole, that's my girl. Jenny, that's my daughter. He's written your name. He's engraved it in the palm of his hands. And here's the cry. So David starts out howling to the Lord. God, how long is this going to go on? I don't think I can keep it up. But then he gets to this place and he hears the cry. This is the cry of his heart. He says, look on me. Daddy, look at me. And answer me. Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. He's basically saying here, I am so depressed that I don't even want to live anymore. David is basically saying, I'm done. And if you've ever seen anybody that's depressed, you can look in their eyes and you can kind of tell, like, the, the, they're kind of dim. Like, there's no light in them. And he's saying, please, take away, lift this depression from me. Give me light in my eyes or or I don't even want to survive. I don't even want to go on. He says, give light to my eyes or I'll sleep in death and my enemy will say, I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. David had a lot of foes. He had a lot of people that were after him, a lot of people that wanted to kill him. His stress level was off the charts. There's a story in 1 Samuel 30 where um, so the enemies had come into their camp. They had completely burned up the whole camp. And then they kidnapped all of the wives and the children and took them from the camp. And so then when David and his army come in, it says in verse 3, this is 1 Samuel 30. It says, when David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, listen to this, they wept until they could weep no more. They wept until they could weep no more. This is some deep deep grief. And it says here, and his two wives, Abigail and somebody else, were, were among those who were captured. David's own wife, his own children, his, his wives, I guess. David was now in great danger. <laughs> Check this out. So he's going through his own personal crisis, but he is in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. So here David is completely in grief. He's lost his family. He doesn't know where they are. They're kidnapped. It was terrifying. And now his own people are turning against him, threatening to kill him. How's your stress level now? <laughs> Relatively speaking, <laughs> we're all doing pretty well, right? 
You guys are, I'm not trying to invalidate your pain or your trauma, but this is a stressful situation. Wouldn't you agree? Where am I? They began to talk of stoning him and get this. This is what it all comes down to. But David found his strength in the Lord. Yeah? David found his strength in the Lord. He knew he couldn't find strength in the circumstances. He couldn't even look to his bros for any encouragement because they were going to kill him. David found his strength in the Lord. And this is the conclusion that it comes to. Verse 5, I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. This is what it all comes down to. When you're going through these trials and these hardships and, these, and this, you're feeling forgotten by God, you're feeling abandoned and rejected and forsaken, and you're feeling just despair and you're depressed and you're going through these hard times. And I know a lot of us have gone through really hard times in the last two years. Anybody else like suffer at all through the whole COVID thing? Just me? Okay, there's a few of us. I mean, there, there have been some very stressful situations. Would you not agree? I mean, I have said more in the last two years, come Lord Jesus, than I have the rest of my life combined. I've invited the Lord to come back. Just end it all, Jesus. Just come back. Amen? <laughs> it says, I will trust in your unfailing love. David knew that no matter what he was going through, no matter if he understood it, no matter if he, could, if he could explain away what was happening, that he could trust in God's unfailing love because God's love never fails. So he knew, no matter what I see, I can still trust in God. I know I can trust in the Lord. And it says that my heart rejoices in your salvation. What it all comes down to is this. If you know Jesus you're going to be okay. If you know Jesus, it's all going to work out. You know, Romans 8, 28, again, God, God is going to force this situation to work together for good for you. If you love God and you're called according to his purposes, if you know Jesus, you're going to be okay. Amen. You are going to be okay. And some of you right now can't even muster up the hope to believe that that's even a possibility. But I'm telling you, if you put your trust in his unfailing love and you put and you rejoice in his salvation, the salvation that Jesus Christ offered when he went to the cross and paid the penalty for our sins, you can put your hope in that. You can rejoice in that because it's not going to last forever. This is a season. You're in a season. It's going to end. This is not the rest of your story. This is not the end of your story. Whatever you're going through right now, it's going to come to an end at some point. But this is what you do in the meantime. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, and you probably all know this, but I want you to hear it as though for the first time. Jesus says to you, come to me, you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden that I give you is light. 
you know, there's a verse in Corinthians, and it says that these, whatever we're going through, whatever hardships, even David in 1 Samuel 30, these are called light and momentary trials. Isn't that insulting? You're like, seriously? This does not seem light, nor does it seem momentary. This seems like this trial has been going on for way too long, right? But but, but the Bible says these are light and momentary trials, but it says they will achieve for you a glory that far surpasses them all. That if you can hold on, whoever remains faithful, whoever perseveres to the end will be saved. Hold on. Hold on. No matter what you're going through, no matter how you're feeling, if you know Jesus, you're going to be okay. And ultimately, if you rejoice in his salvation, the salvation that Jesus Christ offers us, there is the hope of heaven. Now, I mean, maybe that seems kind of pie in the sky. Maybe it's because I'm old. It just seems a lot more real to me, though. (laughs) Heaven, it just seems closer to me. And heaven is what we are ultimately going to end up doing. We're going to be in heaven with Jesus in heaven. And this is what it says, Revelation 21, 1 through 7. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. So all of this, all of this is passing away. And it says, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. You know that when you go to a wedding and all eyes are on the bride and then she walks up and usually the groom is standing there just weeping because he loves her so much. That's this picture. That is this picture. It says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. This is how it all started with the covenantal God, the God who has promised, I am your God and you are my people. That's what it's all about. The entire Bible is about a God of covenant. He's made a covenant to you, which cannot be broken, that he will be your God and you will be his people. And it's up to him. You know, again, that scripture that says, the one who began this good work in you, he will carry it through to completion. It takes so much of the pressure off. It says the one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. He will do it. It doesn't say you got to figure this all out. Otherwise, you're just not going to make it. It's saying the one who calls you is faithful. He is your bridegroom. And he's weeping as he, as he sees you. He just loves you with this everlasting love, this unfailing love. He loves you, and it says here, he will be their people. God himself will be with them. He wants to start that even now. He wants to be with you in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your hardship. And it says, I love this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. Can we give God a shout out for that? Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There will be 
No more death. Yes. No more sorrow. No more crying. No more pain. No more pain. No more physical pain. No more emotional pain. No more spiritual pain. There is just going to be joy. It says all these things are going to be gone forever. Death, sorrow, pain, suffering, tears, crying. It's all going to be gone in his presence. This is what we have to look forward to. It says, and the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he said, it is finished. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to all who are thirsty. I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. How many of you are thirsty right now for him? How many of you are thirsty for more of Jesus? It says, all who are victorious will inherit these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. This is the promise of heaven. This is the promise that Jesus offers us. And he's saying, hold on. He's saying, if you know me, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to make it. You're going to be okay. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're going to be okay. Corrie Ten Boom was a woman who, um, she had taken, during the war, she had taken Jews and hidden them in her home, and she um, ended up going to a concentration camp, um, and she was just a very godly woman. Her name is Corrie Ten Boom, and there's a quote by her that I just love, and it says this, if you look to the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look to Jesus, you will find rest. Some of you are so tired. Some of you are saying, how long? How long, O oh Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Some of you are saying, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and the sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemies triumph over me? I'm telling you, there is hope. There is hope. There is hope. There is hope. Hold on and trust in his unfailing love and rejoice in his salvation because he is going to get you through this. Amen? Amen? And I just want to say for those of you who you're like, I'm not going through that right now. This is for future reference. Because you're going to go through stuff, right? You're going to go through stuff. But God is good. He who perseveres to the end will be saved. Persevere. Persevere. Press into Jesus. Let him become your all in all. It's like that song, I surrender. I surrender. Lord, have your way with me. Some of us are liars because we sing that, but we don't really mean that. I know that sounded really harsh. But isn't it true? Lord, have your way. Have your way with me. Oh, but don't make me give up porn. Or don't make me tithe. Ugh. 
Or don't make me serve people. Mm-hmm. Right? You'd be saying, Lord, have your way. But your life is still your own. Jesus is saying, surrender. Surrender. I'm going to use what's going on in your life. I'm going to use your trials and your hardships and your pain. I'm going to use what you're going through to make you into this beautiful bride that he's calling. He is asking us as his children to surrender because he is good. Amen. He's not asking because he's a control freak. He's asking because he wants to pour out showers of blessing. I just got a, a prophetic word from a friend of mine that the Lord is going to, this. I believe it's for the Adventure Church, that the Lord is going to begin to pour out showers of blessings. He is going to begin to pour out rain on us like a parched land. He is going to begin to soak us with his blessings and with his goodness. How many of you need to hear that this morning? Yeah. And I just want to say, and, and, I, and I'm not saying this to freak anybody out, but you know, the Bible is really clear that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Okay, so we don't wrestle, wrestle against humans, but it does say that we do wrestle against principalities and rulers of the darkness and spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenlies. And there has been a spirit that has attached itself to the adventure church. Again, I'm not trying to say this to to scare you or anything, but as a, as a pastoral team and as our leadership team, we have been doing as much as we possibly can do. We're doing an ongoing fast. We're fasting consistently and we are um, repenting, humbling ourselves, confessing whatever we're doing, we're doing whatever we can and inviting the Holy Spirit to give us insight into where this thing attached or whatever it is. We don't really understand the implications, but it's a chaotic spirit. And I just want to warn you, if, you, if you're dealing with any of these things, um, confusion or division or accusation or destruction or chaos, I really believe that the, that the evil one wants to destroy us as a family and as a church. And, and I just want to invite you, if you would, to take a day this week and fast, just a 24-hour fast, and pray for us as leaders. Pray for insight. Pray for this church, because I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to pour out showers of blessings on us. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And he says here, I have given you authority to trample on scorpions and snakes and to overcome all of the devil's schemes and nothing will harm you. We do not need to live in fear. We do not need to fear, but we also need to be alert because our enemy, the devil, is prowling around seeking to devour us, seeking to destroy us, seeking to divide us and to accuse us and to confuse us. And we are going to stand up and say, no, we serve the King of Kings. So can I just invite you as a family, can we just fast and pray together and invite the presence of Jesus to kick this thing out? If you have any questions, I would be happy to answer them. I love you guys. I am so grateful for you. Um, I just want to make sure to address the people that are joining us online. You're, in, you're included in this. We are praying for you. We miss you and love you. Um, 
I want to just pray with you guys, and I want to ask if you're, if you want to come forward and just come to the altar here, this stage here, and and just get prayer, or just confess, or repent, or whatever it is that you want to do. I just want to invite you to come up here, yeah, and and we would like to be able to pray with you and for you. So, if you could stand, please, and hold our hands out like this just as a symbol that we want to receive everything God has for us. Jesus, you are so good. Jesus, you are gracious and compassionate, God. Lord, you are slow to anger. You are rich in mercy. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that your steadfast love endures forever. We thank you that your love is unfailing. Lord, we thank you that you are sovereign. We thank you, Lord, that even when we don't understand you, you continue to be faithful. You continue to be good. You continue to demonstrate that you are a God of righteousness without injustice. You are good and upright, Lord. And we just surrender to you, God. We humble ourselves before your mighty hand that you could lift us up, Lord. Lord, we love you. Our lives are not our own, Lord. We know that. We know we've been bought with a price. We know, Jesus, that you are sovereign over all, and we bless you, and we thank you, Lord, and we invite you, God, When we ask these questions, how long, O Lord? How long will you forget me? How long will you turn your face from me? How long must I have this sorrow and and anxiety? How long will my enemies triumph? Lord, that you would give us faith to turn to you rather than away from you. Lord, let us turn to your spirit, to your presence, to your word, rather than to the things of this world or to things that would cause us to escape. Lord, let us press into you and find you in the midst of our our pain, and our trials. We bless you, and I pray for anybody right now, God, that is that is suffering trauma, suffering sorrow, suffering feeling rejected or abandoned, any of them. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus you would pour out your compassion. Pour out your compassion, Lord. Pour out your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I said, if, you're, if you want to come up for prayer, we would love to be able to pray with you. If not, remember next week, what time do we start? 10 o'clock. Love you guys. Go grab some food out there for the youth. I love you guys. See you next week.